Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to another episode of The Blacksmith's Furnace with me, Robert. With me, Pete. My like Mo out here. And um, unapolog- unapologetically, my son will be featuring with his ad libs every now and then as he's playing <laughs> around with. Come on, thank you. Right you. <laughs> Fam, have you heard about these new congestion charge prices that they're putting up in the world? Bro, bro. I have not, actually- you know. Is actually very irritating. It's so wild, for real. So now, con- irritating. So f- I think from next month, no, no, charge- no, no, no. From Monday, tomorrow. That's oh, from Monday. Okay. Tomorrow. So now going to be Monday. I think seven a.m. to ten p.m. Yep. Oh snap. Um, under eighteen is no longer get free travel. Nope. Um, over sixties no longer get free travel during peak times. Um, did I miss anything? Um, congestion charge is going up from £11.50 to £15 a day. Yes. Is this just, is, this is just driving into London, right? Yeah, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. congestion, yeah. And I think the EULIS, so ultra low emission zone, yeah. is also going up. So if you wow. drive diesel and them things there, and it's all to plug the, def- the TFL deficit yeah. due to corona. No, but I mean, that's probably just a sign of what's to come, to be honest, with all the, um, you know, uh, loans and everything going out during this time. That's all going to come back and bite us with taxes and... No, but the thing is... The thing is, we say it's going to bite us. It's just going to bite the poor. It's going to bite anyone who pays taxes. (laughs) Bro, like you... Congestion charging them things there... Um, congestion charge, yeah, any person who's kind of driving into central. Um, but picture this. For all those who have got, who are on low income and have got a bag of kids, your kids now need to go to school. You man are struggling to provide hot meals on a, on a daily basis. Like schools are providing hot breakfasts and stuff for kids and now you're requiring parents to pay pound fifty or whatever for your kids to go into school and that's just one trip but it's, it's it's really it really is unfair because the people who are going to be affected the most are the people with the lowest income yeah people well, isn't that, isn't that, I mean, no, no, I'm not, I'm not saying, I'm not saying they won't be affected. I'm saying everyone will be affected. I just Every, think, yeah. because it's not like they're going to stop um, all the different benefit schemes and stuff that they have. More often than not, it's, it's people that are just above that threshold that aren't receiving like their benefits or whatever, but they're still getting hit with all the taxes. I think they'll probably will see it a bit more significantly. But you know, I don't, I don't know, you know. Because I don't think there's going to be an inflation on the on the benefits. Yeah, I think that's going to stay the same. I think it's going to stay the same. And everything just goes up. Well, yeah, but I, then, I, I so hope I'm mistaken. I'm, I well, hope I'm is, mistaken. So I'm I'm talking from like a, again, you know, I, I don't know people's bank accounts or whatnot. But then I want something like uh my uh my benefit wedding or something like that, where you've got people who quite literally are just on benefits. And using those benefits to go on weddings and go on uh, honeymoons and like be extravagant, and they've got like ten kids, and every kid is bringing in a certain amount of income. <laughs> yeah. They're the ones with like the five, six bedroom houses. This is what I'm saying, you know. 
So that that's where I'm thinking about things. Like, okay. And it, it's okay. not even it's not even benefit fraud. It's just the way the country's set up. No, that's fraud. It you know what you're doing. You know what you're doing. No, it's not fraud. It's not fraud. I think some part of the the benefit, the way that they're set up now, aren't encouraging people to work. It's it's more. Well, if you can't work, then don't work at all. Because if you do something small, we're gonna drastically cut the benefits that you get. Facts. It's like you know, it, it doesn't it doesn't Facts. stimulate people to actually do stuff. It's like unless you want to do stuff, you're you're just gonna stay at home and stay on benefits because you get more than if you were getting the job and getting minimum yeah. pay. It's almost like after you have a child, there's a genuine question of should I go back to work? Because everything that I earn, yeah. I'm gonna have to pay in childcare. Quite literally. Mm. So, yeah. Oh man. So yes. I kind of, I kind of want to move out of London. Yeah, everyone. Oh, you not live in London. I do. <laughs> Look at this guy. Actually. You Look know what? Untroubled guy. Uncultured. <laughs> <laughs> uh, fam, anywhere I, there's I, I a tram, that's my London. UK. I want to move out of the UK in general. Move out of the UK. And go where? Don't know. All of my options are now not looking very favourable still. What, GH not... and Jamaica? No, no, no. no I, ain't, I ain't going to Jamaica. Um, <laughs> man said that a bit. <laughs> he says with confidence in the absence of his wife. Um, I was thinking like the the Japans and the Chinas and the them things there. But the way them are moving right now, yeah? No, I'm not on it. I'm not on it. I'm not on it. Mm. No. <laughs> not on it. But everyone's in the same boat, man. It's crazy. It's crazy. Speaking about crazy, we're going to be doing something crazy in a couple of weeks' time. That's putting us on the spot. <laughs> I like have that, to. Yeah. Accountability and thing, fam. So a couple of weeks ago, we decided. A couple of weeks ago, we decided that we're going to have like a poetry challenge, and so in two episodes' time. Oh, sit down. <laughs> at the end of the month um, it's going to be like a poetry episode where we'll just be reciting poetry that we've written but it's, it all has to be new poems that we've written since we said that we're going to do it quarantine poems so, so everyone has to come with three new poems we're just going to go around spitting bars talking about it and yeah so look forward to that guys make sure you come with your three poems or not just putting Moses on blast, like. Wow. Man, I didn't say these, any names. I didn't say any these names. These times, yeah. I'm, I'm trying to worm my way out of it to be like, yo, let me visualize someone's poem. Let me conceptualize it in the, in a way using the lens and them things there. Like obviously, oh, you know. You wow. man, you man can come with a poem, yeah, and then bro. I will record a video for it and then drop it onto whatever, so that the viewers, <laughs> the listeners can can go view become viewers. I came with this and everyone said yes. We did. We did. There was no objection. No, there was actually none. There was actually no objections. <laughs> no. Yeah. So, two weeks' time, look forward to it. It should be good. It should be sick. Cool. Um, so, sorry, not sorry. I think I'm in the hot seat this week. Ooh, get in. Let me go. In the position. Let me go into my folder. I don't have a folder, fam. Well, <laughs> well, Moses brings up his folder. Um, Robert. Yo. How can one determine God's um, specific will from them, from a document that was written in Exodus of 2,000 years ago with very little context? Um, 
So, so I'm asking on the behalf of a new be- of a new believer, how mm. are they supposed to go about doing that? Ooh, that's a good question. <laughs> um, so I would say that um, as a new believer, um, you shouldn't worry about the specific calling to begin with. Anyway, I think that for now you should work on um, get to grips with the general calling, um, like all Christians' lives. And I think that as you do that, um, your relationship with God will develop as will you knowing which ways God speaks to you. And then through that, and then through knowing how God speaks to you and through understanding the word, um, his specific will for your life will be a, will be revealed eventually. Mm. Yeah. That's what I would say to them. Okay. I think it's, I think it's in very rare cases that, like, even if you look through the um, through the Bible, it's in very rare cases where um, God comes to people with no relationship with them and tells them, "This is what I want you to do." I think the first one that comes to mind is Moses, because I feel like... no, 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 Moses, Moses, Moses uh, thing was a Hebrew. Moses was a Hebrew by birth, so yeah. So so um so so Moses had no relationship with God to begin with, and uh, but then God summoned him and told him to do what he did. I feel like with Abraham, Abraham already had a relationship with God when God told him to move out of his his father's land. I could be mistaken. So what, what about that at that point before God asked him to move out of his father's land? Well, well, it it, it it seems like Abraham was already doing what was what God wanted people to do in in general when it came to like. Praising him and worshiping him and like following his rules. Mm. There um, were no rules at the time, though. Not, not. <laughs> hey, Peter, the way he interjects is just disrespectful. <laughs> oh no! I don't say that the way. I don't say that there weren't any rules at um at the time because the law wasn't given to Moses. The law wasn't given, but then. Let me think. Let me think. Let me think. No, but 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 remember when when um who was it that came? Who was it that came? It was it was Melchizedek. Yeah. Melchizedek yeah. came and Abraham did specific things. Gave him a tent. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So 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 even though there weren't like specific rules like the Ten Commandments, there were customs that um should have been followed. Okay. There's no indication of the tights though. Wow, <laughs> bro! I get what you're saying. Yeah, can I can I help you out? Go oh, help me out. Help me out. <laughs> so, my friend's fool. <laughs> so I feel like Abraham didn't know Yahweh until Yahweh called him out. Hmm. So he he heard Yahweh's voice and was like, "I will follow you," which to me is an incredible leap of faith because it's like, yo, I've just heard this. This, this voice mm. that's telling me to leave and I've just left. So I would say like Abraham as a father of faith heard God's voice without actually having that intimate relationship with him and took the steps that God was requiring him to take. And as he took the steps, by means of him taking those different steps, he then got to the point where God can say to him, kill your son. And he was like, I will do it because I have faith that I will get my son back. Mm. But Moses, on the other hand, grew up in a Jewish house. And so he would have been taught the customs and the God of the Jewish nation. Did he? Yeah. Well, his mom took care of him, isn't it? His mom took care of him. His mom so was even though, the like, nanny. Yeah. 
So his mom took care of him. So after part of, um, Pharaoh's daughter saw him, um, Moses' his sister, sister Miriam. went to be like, oh, should I call a nurse to, to nurse him for you? So yeah, he grew up in a, in a Jewish house. Mm. Okay. Well, I guess that just, that, that, that just proves the point that God doesn't just call random people, you know? Sorry? <laughs> So yeah, I think so. I, I was I was even gonna say like Gideon, but again, Gideon grew up knowing knowing about God because when the angel came to him, he was like, "Oh, but um, God who like took us from Egypt and blah blah blah." Um, has abandoned he's a, has us. Abandoned us. We not be yeah, yeah a better position. But I I agree with your initial statement, Robert. Yeah. In that when you <laughs> first come in, yeah, when you first come in, like. Too much. <laughs> so, um, don't think about trying to be a Moses. Don't think about the, yeah when you first come in because even uh, Paul was saying, do not give anyone a new believer a position. Let mm-hmm. them grow. Let them like be grounded in their faith and stuff um, before you give them a, uh, a position. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'll, and plus I would have summed it up from the perspective of we are called to a person before we're called to a position. Mm. So we're, we're, yeah, so get to know that person before you then get to know even how you're meant to operate in that position. Yeah, because you might have an idea as to what you're meant to do in that position, but it's only the person who's going to equip you and to instruct you as to how to walk and work in that position. Yeah. So yeah, I agree with your initial statement, but I think your explanation just <laughs> went south. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I think I'd, I'd even have rephrased that initial bit just to say, get to know God first, and in getting to know, which is what you were saying, is yeah. what you were saying, get to know God first, and in getting to know Him, you will know how He speaks to you, and then you know He will, uh, and when you know how He speaks to you, He will give you His specific will for whatever He wants you to do. But the initial thing is to just get to know Him, just get into relationship with Him, and that's one thing you can do in His Word by virtue of who He presents Himself to be in His Word. Amen. <laughs> so <laughs> it was a good, it was a good, it was a good answer. I need to work on the examples. I need to work on the examples. Well, you're up. Um, this may be a tricky one, but um, do you feel? I think Peter's got, Peter would have a very straightforward answer. But do you feel that the Book of Acts is a good description? of what happened after the death of Jesus, considering it predominantly only follows one person's narrative. Yes. Um, just on the basis that um, the Bible is God-breathed, so... <laughs> no, but for real, like, anything that made into the bible was there because god wanted it to be there like if god wanted um that 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 initial journey to be spread about spread and and recited by different people he would have done in such a way like he did with the gospels Mm -hmm. yeah the only reason i was laughing is because it was (laughs) it was just seeing the the gear change like i'm gonna get safe (laughs) (laughs) only no but I don't know what else I could say apart from that. No, no, no. <laughs> it's, it's fair. It's fair. And you probably was with that, Moses? Nope. <laughs> it was spot on. 
<laughs> very straightforward answer. <laughs> yeah, that, this is what you call instant growth. Fun. You know, no, you, you, you know what? Like, yeah, sometimes when I'm answering these questions, I feel like my answers are too short, so like I have to fluff them out a bit. Nah, it's a dangerous thing, man. <laughs> dangerous thing. And then you know when you get that confidence because the first part when you said people were like, mm, mm. like all right, we're going a bit more. <laughs> yeah, oh, that, that's good. All that's right, good. Man, we've been talking for a while. All right, so let's go to the topic for today. So today I wanted to talk about Fifty Cent. Okay. okay. Um, so I was, I know, right? Um, I was watching like one random instant. Um, Instagram live he did with with some guy I think from Complex or something yeah. and, and he was talking about the relationship that he had with his son and then the guy asked 50 Cent if 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 he loved his son and 50 Cent was like nah and so I went to go and do a bit of research into 50 Cent and, his, and his, 50 Cent and his son and like their relationship and um, it, yeah it seems that um, that a lot of the angst that 50 son sent 50 50 cent son <laughs> had with him came about as because of the relationship that he had with um his mom yeah and so that so like it seems that bitterness has has like trickled down into the son mm. and you know 50 cent is just like a troll of trolls and he just <laughs> he just be talking reckless about everyone and anyone and so um, it feels like the son, the son's name is Marquise. Marquise feels like uh, 50 Cent wasn't there for him, that he's disrespecting his mom, and da 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 da. And then 50 Cent was just saying how, you know, he tried to to be there for the son, he provided for him, so I'm giving him like all the money in the world. Set, I'm, I'm set, set, set him up with like the bank account with like all the millions in it and stuff. And, but he, for him, he feels like he spent so long trying to reach out. And get nothing in return that he's like, you know what, just forget. <laughs> Basically. So I wanted to ask you guys the question um, should a parent ever stop loving their child? And 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 at what point does their responsibility for making the relationship work stop being solely the parents? Hmm. It's interesting because I've been thinking about this a lot. Um, not 50 Cent's position, but my own with my eldest. And my, my eldest is only, my eldest is 11. No, she turned 12 in April. Mm. Um, and the... Again, she, she's like a minor, them things there. But the reality is she's a consequence of um, of my decisions or me and her mom's decisions. And it's and for that reason, she's almost like as a result of what me and her mom decided to do. Mm. She doesn't she is not obligated to me in any way, shape or form but I am to her by virtue of her being a consequence of my decisions. So it's almost like, and this, this is a crude example, but it's almost like gel time. 
I made, I did something wrong or I made a mistake and I've been caught and I've been sentenced to jail. That's as a result of what I did. Um, it's a very crude example because I don't see her or view her as jail time or like as a result of a mistake or anything, but it's just, it's a situation in which it's not, it's not the ideal situation. Mm. Um, so there's almost like she's in a broken household now and she gets to see daddy, daddy's married and like I've got half, I've got half siblings who are all in one family. Um, whilst that's not my, that's not my narrative. Um, and that, that element is difficult. So yeah, I think as a parent, I have an obligation to love her regardless because she's here as a result of my decisions. Um, so do you think that she gets a bit of a, a bit more of a pass than Noah and and um, Leia? Then I think she does, and it's there's there's different reasons why she gets a bit a bit more of a pass, and one of them is because um, I don't get to see her much. Mm. Um, I get to see her like physically see her like once every two weeks. And even that, the time is, like, limited. For now, anyways, the time is limited. Um, and so it's more so about just building relationships, just capitalising on the bonds that we do have and stuff like that. Whilst, and plus, I don't necessarily see myself as having a direct role in her um, development. Mm. It's more passive. So her mum is the one who's, like, daily getting her to wash her plates and like just do the trivial things that actually go into raising a child. Yeah. Whilst I just get to talk to her on a weekend, pick her up, take her out, just do the fun stuff. Um, now within that, there's still a responsibility to like help with the discipline and blah, blah, blah. <clears throat> but for the most part, I've got the easy job. of just picking her up on a Saturday and having fun with her and dropping her back off. Mm. Um, and so her character and the way that she's developing, I don't particularly see myself as having a direct impact there. Um, I do have a direct impact by being her father and just being in her life and stuff. But yeah, just the moral upbringing and stuff, I kind of see her mum as having more of a role in that to shape that. Um, so yeah, I do see myself being a bit more lenient on her because the, the time that I have with her is more so spent on just being with one another um but as she grows i'm recognizing the the responsibility that i have to shape her morally to just be like oh like you're playing about in school you can't do that and just trying to shape that as well um but yeah she 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 is a bit more lenient and i say that to say in terms of leia and noah i see myself as having a direct um part to play in their moral upbringing and so me instilling my morals into them practically and like daily. And so I see them more as a reflection of me than I see her as a reflection of me. I see her more so as a reflection of her mum. Okay. If that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. And as much as, yes, yeah, she will pick up things from me and blah, blah, blah. But more so she'll reflect the parent she lives with the most. Yeah. Okay. It's definitely a hard situation. It's just, uh, and I was just just wondering. Sorry to take you guys back, but did Fifty Cent always know about his son? Yes. Yeah. He always knew about him. He did, and oh, like, okay. and like, he um, he he talked about how um, 
I've even got a quote here. Um, he said that um, when his son came into his life, his priorities changed because he wanted to have a relationship with him that he didn't have with his father. Mm. So I think that at the beginning, like, he wanted to be a good father. But then, um, yeah, situations with, with the baby mom, I guess, didn't make that um, as easy. To the point that his um, his son was even, like, creating diss tracks for him and, like, going to mm. chill with people that he knew that his father had beef with and stuff. Yeah, yeah, I remember. I remember parts of all of that. So, yeah. Well, I guess, like, who have been fathers now is, what does it mean for a parent to love their child? Like, if, if you had to define that, or to define what that means for you, how would you, if you can all? I think, I think uh, at least, you know, having a 11 and, you know, two-week-old, <laughs> 11 months and two-week-old daughter, so far the only word you can think of is unconditional because it's it's a matter of in in our normal relationships we're used to the sort of quid pro quo or the you know i wouldn't you know i would i wouldn't go out of my way to do anything for like someone from the taliban or something like that by virtue of there's nothing i am gaining from it but with with a with a with a child you recognize, you know, everything from their going to sleep and taking naps to eating to, you know, changing their nappies and bathing them. They literally have to do nothing for you to feel almost privileged to do that for them. And so I'd have to say it's, it's unconditional. And I think at the point at which, you know, um, I guess that idea of the age of accountability comes in where they start taking or having agency with some of the things they do that's where you know some of those some of the the tensions or some of the struggle comes in and you're you know you're watching what they do or or what they do affects how you feel towards them you know and and i'm not at that stage yet and i pray and i pray i I don't get to that stage but i think the um looking at you know just my relationship with my parents or um just just human nature in general the child is innocent that child doesn't know what they're doing and thus they normally get that love and that love is unconditional but at the point at which the child is able to choose for themselves what they're going to do and you know unfortunately more often than not they choose the thing that their parents or the elderly or someone doesn't want then that starts to affect that love that's given to them but i think ideally it should remain unconditional and that's where i think only god is able to do that and that his love has remained unconditional regardless yeah i think i definitely echo what peter was saying in terms of um there's almost like the ideal in which you should be able to love your child regardless of whether they're doing right or wrong um like regardless of if they've gone totally against everything that you'd want them to to do you should still be able to love them simply because they're your child um so there should be that level of love now not saying it it wouldn't take away from the hurt that you would feel um, as a parent, but you should still be able to both vocalize your disappointment, but to still display your love for them. Um, So personally coming from a Muslim household, I know that my, especially my dad is deeply hurt that I'm not a Muslim. And that, has directly impacted the man, the way in which he's able to show me love. And 
it's a case in which, honestly speaking, the fact that that has impeded him, like, even being able to love me hurts as a child. Because I'm like, yo, like, you're my dad. And he's like, yes, but to him anyways, he's like, but Allah is God. And, like, my affections are to him before to you. Bars, bars, bars. Even though it's the wrong word, but bars, bars. You know, like that. And it's, it's like, and as a Christian, I understand that. I understand, like, the um, purpose of man is to, like, worship God and to adore God. But I also believe that there is, there is room within that to still fully love your child, even if they're not for the God that you're for. Because I believe that in me still being able to fully love them, I'm still displaying something of God's love for them, even when they're not following him. So, yeah, then that, that, that was one of my challenges. Where it's just like, how do I show my child that I love them and still show them that I do not agree with the path that they're going down? Like, mm. I love you and I accept you, but I don't agree with what you're doing. Um, now, I pray that God gives me the wisdom. I hope I never get to that point. But um, history says that every parent will, will hit that point at some point. Um, even it might be something just minor. Like, your, your son is sagging his trousers and you don't want him to do that. But yeah, like, um, yeah, it's just the wisdom to be able to, to demonstrate love while still communicating um, your disapproval of what they're doing. And I, I'm, I'm intentional about saying demonstrating love whilst communicating disapproval for their actions. So, yeah, I think that's, that's a wisdom that I want to be able to, um, to have, to develop as and when my children grow. And I think even once they hit the age of accountability, whatever that age may be, where you start to expect them to be reciprocal in terms of the love that you're displaying. My challenge is that, like, even whilst we're yet sinners, like, Christ died for us. And even now, we struggle with idolatry and stuff, but God is still displaying his love for us. So even when our child is, or children are acting as though they don't love us or whatever, to still be like, I still love you. And again, communicate that I'm, I don't like this element of you, but I still love you. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's tricky. Every single person is different. Every child is different. Um, but just being able to navigate that is definitely one that will take wisdom. Mm. Yeah. So speaking about the age of, age of accountability, so do you feel like it's, 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 it's a given that eventually the unconditional love will turn into conditional love or is that a choice do you feel like so can you repeat that so with the age of accountability do you feel like that then leads to unconditional love for a child becoming conditional love or do you think that 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 changes the choice that a parent makes i think well i I think it's it's a response I, i don't think it's a conscious choice i think it's just a response to a change um, a change in the child, a change that they can't control, um, and like I said, like I was saying, you know, it's it's one of the things that I, I say it's a response because it's almost involuntary. It's you know, yeah, a baby cries and you don't want them to cry, but they're crying, or they go to the toilet just after you've changed their nappy, you know, and you still have to change it. You still change it. You might feel away, but you still love them anyway. But then it's <laughs> different when it's it's different when it's like 
they can or they can demonstrate that they understand what you want and they're still not doing it. And I don't think it's a, it's an intentional thing to say, okay, so now you're only getting the conditional love and you're not getting this love because you're doing stupid things. I think it's just, it just ends up being a human response, an unfortunate human response. And I think one that, as, as Mo expressed as well, one that at least all Christians should pray God gives them the grace to deal with and, and to not fall into as easily. Is it a justifiable human response, would you say then? Justifiable, natural. Um, I think natural is is the word I'd use. Justifiable by virtue of your being human, maybe. But then, you know, in your being human, you can also be expected to be um, excellent or extraordinary in your humanity, as some people have done. So, you know, that argument can be made. But I think I wouldn't I wouldn't go down the route of justifiable or right or wrong. I just say natural. Yeah, I say understandable. Mm. Um, understandable in our fallenness because I believe um, when we say humanity I think we understand it from a position of being fallen and so we've like it's the synonymous the, the underlying understanding that we have of being human is when like nobody's perfect we're all or we're only human um, but I don't believe that's the biblical sense of being human because I believe that Jesus was fully human, but we're almost like subhuman. Um, in the f- not subhuman in the sense of like we're some monstrosities or something like that, but in the full sense of the word, where it's like we are in right relationship with God, we are the fullness of what a human is meant to be. Due to the fall, like morally and just before God, we've kind of fallen below that. Um, and in that sense, I believe that we're kind of subhuman in that sense. But in in our humanity, we should be like Jesus because Jesus was a perfect man. But in our fallenness, I believe it's understandable for your love to become conditioned, especially if, you're, if your kid is just riding your nerves day in, day out. Um, to then for it to then become conditional and blah, blah, blah. It is understandable. But I'm I'm definitely praying that, like... God works in my heart with that. And this reminds me of a phrase that is challenging, but I like. Um, perfect love can only be developed around imperfect people. Mm. So, yeah, it's just, yeah. It's difficult, but we need, we, need, we, need imperfect, we need imperfect people to help us develop perfect love. Cool. Um, what has being fathers taught you about your relationship with God as God is your father and and you being God's child when it comes to love I think just how much patience God has <laughs> that I, that I don't um yeah I think that's that's been the main thing is 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 how gracious and how forgiving and how kind he is and I am not it's funny I, I get I always get the it's both sides. It's it's one how good God is and how bad I am not. That's definitely been like the 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 extent of or the, or the fullness of my experience thus far, at least. Mm, I think um, I know that for me, every one of my children have challenged a different element of um, my relationship with God. 
um, so my eldest really challenged my um, persistence and long suffering in that, like, I have no qualms mentioning this. After she was born and things became difficult between myself and her mum, I just wanted to bounce. Um, but the challenge that God put before me was that he didn't give up on me. I'm not allowed to give up on her. Mm. So I was like, even when things were getting difficult, when like everything was just going wrong, relationships were strained, blah, blah, blah. I couldn't let go. And the physical act of not, not letting go really challenged my heart. Cause I was just like, bun this. I just want to keep it moving. And it's like, I'll pick her up and I'll be like, I don't even want to chill with you. <laughs> For real, I'll be like, this, this is all long. But then being challenged where it's just like, nah, like you need to love her. You need to spend time with her. You need to be a father to her. And then like pushing through even after being hurt, pushing through even after being rejected, pushing through. And it's just like, yo, just that ability to be relentless. And I think with Leo, the real challenge is accepting myself. Because a lot of traits and qualities that Leia has, I see in myself. And they irritate me. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it's a case in which God is just challenging me to accept myself. Mm. And he's just like, yeah, just as you embrace yourself, honestly, you will embrace your door. Because these qualities are reflections of you. And it's like, as you embrace yourself, you will learn how to best help her utilize these things so rough example as a child i used to always break my toys because i was fascinated by how they work but like my mom would be vexed every time she buys me a new toy because I, I, I just break it and i see the same trait in my door but it's like that trait led me on engineering and ultimately led me into the uni that I was in and met the, um, the guy that I met who ministered the gospel to me and then met you guys. So it's them ones where it's like just breaking my toys put me down the path of like meeting you guys without even knowing. Um, but it's recognising that if I had spaces where I could explore construction or just how things worked, I wouldn't necessarily break my toys. Because I had toys that I could do that with. Um, and Noah. Noah is like, yeah, he... I hold him and I feel peaceful. It may be because he's still a baby. Um, but God has been challenging me a lot from the pers perspective of my peace cannot come from an external source. I need to be able to have his peace within me. And so every time that I'm with him, I'm just reminded that I need to be able to sit, like be still and know that he is God and not expect or want external things to give me this peace and this happiness. Um, so, yeah, that's I definitely feel like there's been different things shaped um, in within me as a result of my relationships with my children. I was, I was going to say, um, and, and this might be a side note, but you mentioning, you know, how you're parents reacted to or your mum would get vexed by how your mum would get vexed by what you, you were breaking and stuff yeah my my dad said in passing you know and and i, I probably think not not uh not realizing what he was saying he was like oh 
I can't wait till Zara breaks all your your gadgets and you can't complain. And it was, just, <laughs> it, it was it, you know, insane. You know, Zara will take revenge on me for what I did to him. You know, because mm. I remember, I remember clearly breaking his VCRs and taking stuff apart for the, for quite literally the same reason. But it's it, it's it led me to realize, <laughs> like when when when, when, <laughs> when 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 Zara goes like she goes to grab my headphones or something. Yeah, there's an element of okay, she could hurt herself, she could break it unintentionally, but there's also an appreciation for that same thing, and I think us being on the other side of it and being cognizant of it almost makes us, or I, I hope at least, will make us better or react to it better because we are aware of what those things have meant for us, and so it's like I'm not, I'm not, I'm not so worried. I want her to be curious, and I want her to want to figure stuff out you know because i know that could be a sign of you know that engineering sort of mindset that she might have or whatever and I, I just i just think it's interesting that us being cognizant of those things could be beneficial to us or i hope that us being cognizant of those things could be beneficial to us oh that's nice you know i think i'll be a nice place to round up for today i hope that's no, good it's good yeah it's good yo time to smash <laughs> All right, let's go to hookups. Um, yeah, I'll go. I'll go. I'll go last. Ah, why would you? <laughs> <laughs> I got so confused. Um, cool. All right, so if if I can go first, then yeah. So my hookup is a um, I, I've I've hooked this up before, but I want to hook up again because they did something really nice. Uh, so it's. John Krasinski, who's from The Office, uh, he was Jim in The Office, he's put up a new YouTube channel in light of everything going on called uh, Some Good News. And um, he just brings, like, he just brings, you know, all the good, you know, so, something good, essentially, something good amongst all the bad news that's circulating. Um, and they recently uh, surprised a couple who had to have their honeymoon cancelled because of corona. And it was just, it was really, they did like a, um, they recreated one of the scenes from The Office, so they're huge Office fans, and they recreated it, and they did like a Zoom thing. It was it was just lovely. Um, and I, I can never get through it, because I just feel like it's too emotional. It's all, oh, you know, faith in humanity sort of things. But go check out his YouTube channel, Some Good News. Cool. Okay, my hookup is a Instagram page. Instagram page that belongs to my auntie, Auntie Nana. Um, so every Tuesday she has an Instagram live with a different person um, where they talk about conversations that seek to broaden our sense of how and where art is art mingles. Art, so, hey, I might art. need to get involved. Yeah, so 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 she has a different guest every week. Um, I, I, I missed it last week, but the week before she had um, her cousin who's like an architect, and he was talking about how um, like um, like being creative led him to that and how that affects his role within architecture and stuff really interesting stuff yeah and so she has like really interesting guests every week um so you should check that out you would enjoy it but yeah that's it what's it called again um so her oh i i i I didn't even say what her page was yeah it's it's it's, it's all letters (laughs) so it's n-o-a underscore v-t-f but that stands for i couldn't tell you but (laughs) Yeah, just make sure to send me a link or something. I'll send you the link. This <laughs> yeah. is stress. Cool, Moses. Um, 
so I stumbled across this album, but it's actually been out since last year. Um, Tadashi. For those who might not necessarily know, Tadashi is a gospel artist, uh, a part of Reach Records, Lecrae's um, record label. Uh, dropped an album last year called Never Fold. Now, Tadashi, um, I say recently, but a little while ago, lost his son. Um, and after he lost his, his son, he didn't really bring out music. Um, but yeah, I think this has been his first full album since then. Um, he brought out like a little EP to do with like his grieving and stuff like that. Um, had some tracks on his grieving, but yeah, this is like his full album. And do you know what? Like, I didn't realize how much I missed this work until I was listening to it. I was like, yo, this is dope. So yeah, Tadashi Never Fold on Spotify. On Spotty. Cool. Great audio content. Great, great audio content. Pagan. I'm tired of being so amazing all the time. What can I say? Anyway, um, shout out to Rude for the intro outro music. Haven't turned up for the ordinary amazing logo. You can find us at Twitter at Defense UK. You can email us at tbsfurnacehotmail.com. You can find us at soundcloud.com forward slash to black to furnace no apostrophe on all good podcasts, podcast websites and apps including iTunes, Spotify, and then things there. Black to furnace with no apostrophe. And I guess that's it. Yes, sir. Ooh. And I guess this is the Blacksmith's Furnace signing out.